Welcome back to another exciting episode of Web3 Growth Marketing, the podcast where we explore cutting-edge strategies for driving growth in the dynamic world of Web3. I'm your host, Optimus Prime, and in today's episode, we are going to be discussing the strategies on how Web3 brands can achieve product market fit. But before we dive into the strategies and tactics, let us kick things off with the story that perfectly sets the stage for today's discussion. Now, if you've been in this space on Twitter, particularly in the past week, we all noticed um, OpenSea's announcement of their intending launch of a new feature called the Operator Filter. Um, and the announcement sparked a huge debate within the Web3, Web, Web3 space, within the NFT space, you understand? And definitely everybody was talking, everybody was tweeting, including I tweeted about it um, because many people do not like it. And particularly this announcement ties back into the continuing and already existing battle between OpenSea and Blur. And this battle has led to the loss of market share and market dominance for OpenSea in the past, in the past couple, of, couple of months. And then you would agree with me that if you've been in NFT for some time now, like I think I came into the NFT space and Web3 space in 2021, OpenSea has kind of been the household name, you understand, with as, as an NFT marketplace. And then and it has had monopoly over the market for a long time and it has always been the go-to platform if you want to trade your NFT, you want to sell your NFT and this kind of stuff, you understand. And all of a sudden recently, um, Block came into the picture, a new player with a fresh approach. And this year approach, was tailored particularly to NFT traders. Blur introduced a superior product and a game-changing um, feature called Zero Realities, amongst many other features that they they, they, they introduced with their products. And then this this made traders fall in love with with Blur solution, right? As 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 a product, and definitely, and they all they all loved it. But particularly, this update created a massive shift in the market. And with traders migrating to Blur, it led to Blur gaining um, more market share, more volume. And just because these traders loved the, the, the superior products, they loved the features. And um, because Blur is particularly built for traders. Now, this situation has escalated back in the day. It led to more volume going to Blur because when with traders, traders are the ones who primarily instigate this volume. They are the ones who actually generate volume and they constitute a large number of the market share when it comes to, when it comes to customers for, for marketplaces. So when people moved to Blur, when traders moved to Blur, OpenSea lost a lot of the market share and also lost volume and everything went to Blur, right? Because of Blur's um, um, superior products, particularly tied into um, offering massive amount of features to NFT traders. Now, OpenSea's response this week um, was to iterate product development, which I was expecting they would do, and then they announced the launch of Operator Fita. When I when I first saw the tweet, I didn't really understand it initially, and then I had to read it closely and I figured that this is their own version of Zero Realities, and that is exactly why why there was a huge backlash from creators and NFT brands and lots of people like me, um, probably like you, who has been using OpenSea in previous times, right? And then because removing royalties or via the operator filter, um, filter um, benefit, whatever I, whatever they mean by, by that, um, it really 
puts a huge pressure on creators. It puts a huge pressure on people who actually depend on royalties to sustain their business model, right? And uh, this is something that blew us down. Um, people actually expected that OpenSea being the first and being that platform that actually drove that, um, that culture of um, um, supporting creators and, and whatever um, would actually not go in that light, but they, but they did um, with the launch of Operator, fit, operator um, Filter, and this particularly led to a big problem. The problem happening on this space made everything very, very um, difficult for OpenSea. Now, the reality was that now they've announced Operator Filter, people are not happy. Yuga Labs went on to also tweet and gave a major response. And their response is hinting that Yuga Labs is working on their own independent marketplace. Now, Yuga Labs, if Yuga Labs launch their marketplace, they won't be the first brand to launch a marketplace. Many other brands like Podgy Pigments, amongst other brands, already have an existing marketplace. But the problem with this particular move is Yuga Labs, as a collection, houses some of the biggest um, collections um, in the NFT space from BYC, MYC, BAKC, um, other deeds, me beads, um, coders, you can literally name it. You understand? This, if you can lap as a household name, moves from OpenSea and moves primarily on their marketplace, OpenSea has a big problem. OpenSea will lose traction. They will lose more volume and they need to put them in a very, very difficult position. Now, to, to, to bring this into proper perspective, um, as a time I'm recording this podcast, uh, get Labs total volume on OpenSea is about 52.8 million US dollars, right? While OpenSea's total um, volume in that same 13-day period is about 66.7 million US dollars. And that means if Yuga Labs migrate at this time, which is not possible, but then it gives you a clear perception where if Yuga Labs migrate entirely to their own marketplace, open seas volume will plummet. And it will put them in a very big, big, big um, 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 situation where they've already lost market share and, and general volume to blow. Yuga Labs has now moved or is teasing to move um, to their own um, centralized marketplace. And I'm seeing tweets from um, Lucas Nets and what and other founders who already have existing marketplace for their collection, like Pudgy Penguins, Pudgy Penguin does, right? And if brands now decide to have, to now decide to be running independent marketplaces, um, it will put a big problem on OpenSea. And this is exactly how brands tend to lose product market fit. Right now, OpenSea is on the cops. On the, on the they've, they've, they've already left, lost market share. They are losing, they are, they've already lost volume. Now they are losing retention um, because of what they've just done. They begin to lose retention and then product market fit is lost already. This is exactly how it happens. This is a powerful reminder that product market fit isn't a static achievement, it's a continuous journey. And uh, this story paints the picture of exactly what has led to OpenSea's current state. Um, and then, um, especially, especially in a decentralized world where community relationship matters just as the product itself, product market fit is very essential for products if they want to scale, for brands if they want to scale. My, my, my hope for OpenSea is that they make a pivot very, very quickly and they pivot into a creator-centric platform. 
I be, I'm, I'm hoping I'm hoping that they do this because um, when they do this, they retain a new market share and then they focus on creators and, and NFT brands and giving NFT brands that that uh, um, reality that they, that they so need, right? And then uh, and and they leave the entire rat race of chasing blow with zero realities and allow blow to focus on traders, OpenSea focus on collector, um, collect, um, creators and collectors, right? And then um, I believe that if they do this, they can at least they can find a new product market fit, right? And then they can be able to stay sustainable. But if they don't and they continue chasing blow, um, it is a very risky bet. One, I believe, based on Blur's superiority in terms of products, OpenSea might lose that bet. You understand? They might not win the bet, right? So the best thing for them right now is to transition, pivot quickly, iterate quickly, and then focus on, on a creator-centric and platform, creator-centric marketplace, right? Allowing them to retain the, the um, section of the market share that wants royalty, and then they can actually grow from there, right? This is exactly how it looks like when we when we see um, product market fit. Why is it important? OpenSea is a very very timely example, and exactly why why Seth shared the story. And then this story ties us back into our, our topic: growth marketing strategies for Web three brands to achieve product market fit. Now, with what we've, with what I've explained, um, it is important to now talk about why we are here. Now you know the story. Don't worry. We're going to talk about the strategies and we will not just scratch the surface, right? We're going to discuss, we're going to delve deep into the heart of the matter and we're going to explore how Web3 brands can truly connect with their communities, how how they can actually achieve that ever-elusive product market feed that many brands are always chasing after. But first, let us remind ourselves, what is product market feed? Um, what is it all about? Um, I think it is that point where the product aligns perfectly with the intended market. It's product markets and they fit together. And then this leads to widespread adoption, engagement, satisfaction, and retention, right? Um, adoption can also mean acquisition, that kind of sense, but widespread adoption and acquisition, engagement, satisfaction, and, and retention, creating a viral loop, and then it just, it just escalates from there, it cascades from there. Now. But then here is the tweet. Achieving product market fit is not just about numbers and graphs as we think or we tend to think about it. It's actually about connecting with people. And this is this is something that is very essential that we get to, I just said right now before we even talk about the strategies. And when we think about brands like Apple and Tesla or big brands like Binance and and consensus and even blow and um, for example and these brands did not just achieve product market fit by optimizing numbers by chasing the numbers they 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 had to craft a deep connection with their community their target audience and then they aligned their product with the mission and the needs of their target audiences this is exactly how many of these brands achieved and maintained product market fit and have sustained it for a long time right uh, I mean, I, I, and when you really think about this from this this particular um, angle, the concept takes us to the heart of Web3 product market fit, which is brand connection. Brand connection in itself, um, I, be, I, I tend to think of it as a bowl of spices, 
Now, hear me out right now. Is it like a bowl of spices where there are different ingredients like superior products, customer research, iterative um, development, feedback from the customers that are aligned with the brand's mission, lean marketing strategies, growth marketing strategies, user onboarding and user retention, measuring and then analyzing user touch points, user uh, behavioral patterns on the products, getting user, user feedbacks, right? All of these and whole other spices, which I'll call them spices. Now, each of these spices are actually topics in themselves. They're actually strategies in themselves. To achieve brand connection, brands need to bring all of these strategies in together into a bowl and mix them together. All of it should come together to create a strong brand connection. And then it helps the brand to achieve product market fit. This is exactly how I tend to see it. Because brand connection is not just not a one strategy thing. I mean, connect with the brand and everything. You need the product, you need this, you need that. Everything must come together to achieve brand connection. And this is the idea. This is exactly how it works. This is exactly the concept um, that is behind achieving product market fit. Uh, it is brand connection and achieving PMF is not just about engineering virality. Now, and I know I've said it many times on uh, this uh, uh, podcast show that um, virality is engineered from the get-go. Uh, also, with what I'm trying to explain, if virality is engineered from the get-go, it means brand connection can also be engineered from the get-go. And then this is the um, this is this should be the aim for many Web3 brands who are looking to scale product market fit, who are looking to achieve product market fit, and who are looking looking to do that do, do so sustainably. Now, so how can you achieve product market fit for Web3 brands? Now let's get into the topic. How can we do this? First of all, brands need to Web3 brands need to that have hit product market market fit. Um, the first of all, um, figured out that to create um, brand connection with their audience has to be the primary um, um, focal point for their action. Now, when we look at Binance, Binance has a strong, locally decentralized relationship with their target audience. Now across Africa, across regions in Africa, Europe, regions in Europe, um, Asia, regions in Asia. You can literally start going through on and on and on and on. You literally see how Binance tends to set up different um, um, ambassadorship, ambassadorship programs, different meetups, different whatever to actually connect with their target audience and then um, build relationship from them. Binance is a very, very exciting example because they've done this so well. Um, we can almost say it is a, it is one of the strategies that have really helped them connect so much with, their, with the target audience, right? Now, and with this understanding, you see that, for example, Binance or any other brands that, that do that have taken um, brand connection um, as a very as an important focal point to how they are going to not just achieve but then maintain product market feed, um, they've gone beyond the quantitative standpoint. And then they are, and have observed marketing from a qualitative perspective. Um, this is because the key to success in this regard lies in realizing that product market fit is not just about the products and the market. They are just terms. It's actually about product people fit or product community fit because um, the market in itself signifies people. 
And by putting people at the center of your strategies, you start to understand that people are more than just numbers. It is not always a numbers game when it comes to sales. We need to connect with people. And then this perspective shift becomes the foundation for strategies that truly connect with your audience, right? So when we have this perspective shift on how we can achieve product market fit, we can now mix those ingredients together and then we can spark brand connection, right? And then in Web3, to achieve PMF and continue to maintain it, it is actually crucial that first we have that mindset and then we now build products that people care about. That's basically the second point. Now, the first step is we need the mindset shift. The second point is now we now need to go on to build products that people care about. And this involves understanding your audience needs and then validating the market and then creating a communal relationship with them. Again, that communal relationship is a community-based relationship where we are having conversations back and forth, right? Like Binance, like I explained with Binance, Binance tends to decentralize their, their relationship. So Binance has, there's Binance Africa, Binance Nigeria, Binance South Africa, Binance Spain. There's literally Binance um, hubs amongst in, in many regions of the world. So that's Binance trying to not just have a community, but then decentralize the community so far that that decentralized nature is now localized, right? So it extends from Discord and, and Telegram into physical places. Because building the community before the product development is complete and then testing the product with the community before launching can actually lead to quality feedback and then a successful launch, which is which is something that Blood did very excellently well, right? The community was already there of traders Traders had a problem with OpenSea. At that time, before OpenSea started incorporating bulk buying and bulk um, selling, um, at that time when I started using OpenSea, there was nothing like that. Traders were not um, incentivized to trade um, at full stretch, right? There were so many things that they wanted to do, max, max bidding, max max listing, all this kind of stuff, right? Um, OpenSea was in, not initially built in that regard, right? And, and then it caused a lot of problems. And we started seeing new tools coming in where you can now um, list your open, your product on OpenSea and everything, whatever, whatever, right? Uh, it, it, it was not built in that regard. And then there was so much difference between what the traders want and what OpenSea was, was um, built for. So that existing community was there. Blow taps into that community, got feedback, built a product, tested it, launched it, iterated, and they've, they've consistently innovated all along, right? And this is exactly how it is. You, We, we want to build products that people care about, and then we want to actually um, continue to maintain that, that relationship on a communal on a communal basis. Now, with this knowledge, there's, there's something we need to remember regarding PMF, is that product market fit is not a one-time event. And it's, it's, it's also not just a one-time event, but a continuous series of events that will happen across the lifespan of a brand. It has to consistently happen, but uh, not necessarily quarterly, not necessarily um, yearly or annually, but it's something that will continuously happen because of the changes in the market, in the market response in that kind of sense. And then one of the things that ensures that brands consistently maintain product market feed is that brands products or your products must uh, consistently help people achieve their goals 
and then this requires warp speed iteration. I, I tend to call it warp speed. It's like um, space um, space movement where is warp speed is always very 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 fast, right? And because and, and this is why this it has to be fast. This iteration has to be very very fast. Is because engaging your um, community and staying aligned with 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 your um, brand's mission are two vital steps in maintaining this connection. Things can change, uh, markets can change, a new competitor can, can come in with a better solution, but the only way to maintain um, product market fit is not that, okay, we've, we hit product market fit the first time, but then there's a new change in the market sentiment. We now need to hit product market fit again, right? And then the, how you now do it is to hit the product market fit again, sometimes you might need to pivot, you might need to iterate. Whether you're pivoting or whether you're iterating, has to be it has to happen at warp speed. It has to happen very, very quickly. And let's circle back to OpenSea and Blow, which is the primary um, focus of this um, story we are having. Um, we need to remember that uh, brand connection is paramount, like I mentioned. And OpenSea had and still has one of the most superior products in terms of the NFT, NFT marketplace solutions in Web3. But it was clearly built with creators and collectors in mind. It didn't originally, like I mentioned, um, support bulk buying and bulk listing and features that, that traders actually wanted, right? So this created an opportunity that Blur seized and then Blur went on to build a, a, a superior product that connected primarily with traders' needs. They built, literally built, a pro traders marketplace for traders and traders only, literally. And then this gave them advantage over, over OpenSea. It gave them that massive air because they niched down and then the product was really superior. It was really amazing and exciting. I've used Blow a lot of times and I've also used OpenSea. For traders, if I'm going, if I'm going to be actively trading, I'm definitely going to use Blow, right? Um, because of the advantage it brings to the table. Now, the key takeaway here is that even if you have a superior product like OpenSea did, you understand? Without a strong brand connection, you lease, you, there's this risk of losing market share. So OpenSea lost the market share of traders to blow. Because as much as OpenSea had a superior product, the connection between the brand and the trader community or trading community wasn't existing because traders were always complaining and looking for other solutions. And then as soon as Blow came around the horizon, OpenSea lost the market share, right? And as I mentioned earlier, I think and I still believe that OpenSea can pivot to a creator-centric brand and focus on connecting with creators and collectors in the space. If they don't, they will lose both the creator market share and then the trader's market share, and then they literally lose both of them. Um, so I, I'm hoping that whatever they're doing behind the scenes in their team, um, they're paying attention to the changing narratives on, on, in the market. Um, the, and for, sometimes this is why um, I, I like to prioritize connection and feedback, qualitative feedback than numbers, because the market is actually the number. It's actually the people, sorry. The market is the people, and the people are who we want to serve uh, in the brand. The people who are the people we are building the product and the solutions to actually serve. So we need to prioritize what they are saying, the narrative behind what they are saying, and how they want the product to look like, right? And then this is something that is very, very exciting. And this is something that um, that 
branch you actually pay attention to. So now the question now is how uh, how do how can you build this brand connection that I've been talking about? Because I said I, I liken brand connection like it's bowl of spice, and it had these many um, different strategies inside of it that we mix together to achieve brand connection. Um, but then how do we really build the brand connection? Because the brand it is like a bowl of spice. It is it is it is the brand connection is the offshoot of um, the result that we get from these strategies or is the offshoot of the results that we get and build from the strategies that we actually combine in the board. Um, how do we now build that, that, that brand connection? Well, there are certain steps. So let's, let's break it down further. First of all, I believe and you and I also would agree that people are the lifeblood of any business. So understanding their needs, preferences and pain points is crucial for tailoring your products offerings effectively. And in the Web3 era, decentralization has made people even integral to the brand success. With digitalization, people have become so important. I made a joke recently, I said, when we had the ideology that um, um, customer is king, we didn't know they would be this important in Web3, right? Because they are so important, they are so high volatile to um, the success of a brand. You take away the customer or you don't respond well to the customer, floor price plummets, right? It's that, it's that bad volume can literally stop, right? And then that's how important customers are. When the narrative is shifting and the customers are not aligning with what you are doing, you might lose the market. That is how, that's how important customers are to, to businesses right now, right? And then building solutions that people want or people truly want involves the process of validating the market and then creating a communal relationship with your audience. Because achieving PMF is not just a one-off event or an achievement, it's an ongoing process. So with this, with this knowledge, the idea is that the secret to building brand connection lies in building relationship with your true customers or community members on three level of matrices. The first level is the solution and problem matrix, which is that, that point where the, what is the solution of the product what is the problem? Does it solve the, pro the problem effectively and over and above? Yes, it does. Tick, right? Um, so that's the first matrix. That is the, that's very essential. The, the product has to be superior. It has to actually effectively solve the problem, you understand, and then really, really solve the problem. That is the first step. When it solves the problem, people want to use, use the product. Um, but the fact that the, the, prob the, the product solves the problem does not make the product superior um, to other other products in the market because people can actually pivot theirs, can in, um, can um, iterate their own solution and make their own superior to yours. So it becomes a rat game. It becomes a rat race. That's why there are three matrices. So the first matrix is something that you must achieve, right? The product has to be superior. It has to solve the solution and problem matrix. The next step is the interest and desire matrix. This is exciting. Now, Blood did it very excellently well. I'll tell you why. I'll tell you how they did it. Now, the interest and desire matrix is that matrix where the initial problem has been solved, but then people want more, more, people have other desires, right? People have other desires and people actually want other things. People want to, to, to do other things and, and if your brand can figure out how to solve that interest and desire matrix, it has 
increase the strength of the brand connection. And you look at Blow, Blow has a dial structure. Uh, and then there's always, when I was, I checked the, um, I was on Blow doing my research and I, I was going through different proposals. People, people are putting up different proposals and people are voting on different proposals that actually align with their interests. And the team would look at what they are, what, what people want and then um, vote and then agree and disagree and this and that and that and that. Now, the reality of this is people can say, well, they're just putting in proposal, but then because of my marketing mindset, I see all of this as feedback because let's say there's this particular proposal and then the proposal is done, people agree on it, Blob builds the solution, it solves the problem or it achieves, this, it achieves the, the result that people actually want. Um, it, it increases that interest in the brand, right? It increases desire to continue using the product because now the product is not just solving their core problem, is now solving a bit of the desire that they have or of the desire that they, they've always had with in association with the problem or not right um so it can be different so um so let's let's see um the initial problem blow was solving was max bidding after max bidding people are also having problems with royalties now blow give them optional royalties they don't have to pay for royalties and bang they loved it you see it's is strengthening the bond between the customer and the brand. It is, this is no longer on the solution and problem matrix. We've left that. Now it's on the desire matrix. And then people are beginning to actually have more desires and more desires and more desires to continue using products. Now that's the second matrix. You see, we are building the brand connection. It's strengthening it. We are listening to their feedback. We listen to their feedback and then we have communal discussions with them, right? So this is. Explaining, explaining the entire concept. The second matrix does that. Then the third matrix cements it. It is the intrinsic and extrinsic um, incentive matrix. Now, there are two different matrix, um, two different factors in this matrix. The first is the intrinsic matrix, intrinsic incentive matrix, where um, there are intrinsic um, incentives within the community that make people want to participate um, in the governance of the of the brand, so Blow has the governance token, right? People are always giving feedback. That's that's, that's an incentive, an intrinsic incentive, matrix because people people have ability to actually put off feedback, discuss back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. People can actually talk. People can actually do this and do that and do that and do that, right? People are doing all of these things. Um, and then they are excited because they're not just talking, they are talking and the team listens and also implements it, right? So that's the intrinsic matrix. It, it incentivizes people to want to stay, increases retention, right? And then you see the extrinsic matrix is um, um, the, the common ones we know, the referral strategies and the, the uh, the um, um, trade competitions, whatever, or loyalty strategies or ambassadorship strategies. And those are those, those can be the extrusive um, incentives where there's a direct in, in incentives. It can be via, via fiat or payments or whatever, whatever. You get a bonus if you do this or do that and do that. That can also incentivize people to stay. And when people continue to stay, continue to use the product because of that, those these incentives it builds brand um, um, connection. You see, these three layers is very essential because 
it helps brands to build a deep connection with your community one that sets you apart even in the face of competition um, just like the way OpenSea and Blower are moving back and forth where Blower has a superior product and has very strong connection with traders and then that has resulted in that shifting market dynamics right that we are currently experiencing right um, it, it is very essential but achieving this level of connection does not mean your brand is is immune to change uh, the landscape is always evolving as much as these are the strategies to actually build brand connection upon um, after you mix all those spices together you've you've now gotten the results you now need to now lay all of these strategies in the in the in the brand to actually get this um, connection I'm going on um, it doesn't mean you are immune because right now blow can have a competition and then have a, a product that is going to build something better initially it may not really affect blow I'm um, so much may not really it may not really affect blow uh, but if they fail to iterate fast enough they may also start to lose market share that's just that's just the sad scenario of, of of how the market works right right now they are very strong and and the reason why it is essential based on what they've done is they are strong enough that if a new competitor comes into the horizon unlike the way OpenSea lost market share they may not be necessarily lose market share because people are so into um, the product into the ecosystem. They love the brand and they love using 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 the brand, right? So if a new comp uh, competition comes, there's this perceived bias to want to continue to use Blow. But then that bias will not last long. That bias is not immune enough to protect Blow if Blow fails to iterate and if Blow Blow fails to iterate, its product become even more superior right so this is the entire idea right it is so essential and this is this something that um makes or mar brands right because at the end of the day some brands can have it they think they're immune and they lose it so it is not it does not account for immunity it only gives you assurance and gives you time it buys you time to be able to actually activate faster there needs to be that warp speed iteration. Even if you have this, even if you've built it, you need to be able to iterate as fast as possible because the landscape is always changing and then staying agile is very crucial. OpenSea's recent missteps and then the emergence of other marketplaces like Blur and like what we are seeing currently in, in, the, in, in, the, in, in the market, um, it, it kind of highlights um, how important that um, brands need to retain their market, they need to retain their customers. And then it shows how important brand connection is um, to brands in that kind of sense. So, because you notice the traders that were using um, OpenSea before, all of them, they've moved, right? <laughs> they moved and many of them will not come back. You understand? Because Blow is so superior in terms of products and benefits and features. Um, so it, that's, that, that gives you a bit of, um, perception or in, in terms of what this thing can actually this thing brand connection can actually give to brands it is something that brands need to be start engineering from the get-go because I said if virality can be engineered from the get-go 
run connection can also be engineered from the get. How do you do that? You fix the solution problem matrix, you fix the interest desire matrix, and then you fix the intrinsic and incentive matrix. You fix all of these things from the get go, bam, you currently have it. You'll be able to iterate, you'll be able to actually put yourself in this in a solid position where you can actually grow your audience and grow your 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 product offering even more sustainably right and that is a wrap for today's episode remember that achieving product market fit is not just about numbers and graphs it's about building relationship quality relationship with people it's about connecting with your audience on a level that goes beyond the product itself that goes beyond the product solution itself so thank you so much for joining me on this insightful journey on how growth marketing strategies for web three brands can help brands to achieve product market fit if you found value in this episode be sure to like follow and subscribe to our show stay tuned for more exciting episodes where we explore different topics in web three growth marketing until next time this is optimus prime signing off keep growing keep connecting and keep thriving in the world of web three